Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys later. By far, the hardest years of your jiu-jitsu career will be in the first two years. Me being a jiu-jitsu black belt and have now taught for 13 years, this was the hardest years of my jiu-jitsu journey and also the most common that I see jiu-jitsu students struggle in. Usually this is the years between your white to your blue belt or maybe even your first little bit of time as blue belt. I believe there's a study that shows that 90% of people who actually start training jiu-jitsu never make it to blue belt. And then less than 1% of people who make it to blue belt actually make it to black belt. So in this video, I want to break down the five biggest problems that I see jiu-jitsu students have while training jiu-jitsu. So that way, maybe you guys can structure your training or change your training mindset. That way you can stay on the mat training a little bit longer. How's it going, everybody? My name is Chasen Hill. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. I've been teaching and training jiu-jitsu now for over 13 years. So if you guys like all things jiu-jitsu, this is probably a pretty good channel for you guys to check out. So make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button down below. That way you uh, support me and you show the rest of the YouTube world that I make some good content. So I've really thought a lot about how I can actually help jiu-jitsu students out and what is the biggest population that seems to struggle in jiu-jitsu. And often it's not really your brown belts, it's not really even your purple belts, but it's the people who first start training jiu-jitsu. I would say this is probably my little bit level of expertise. This is where I teach majority of the students versus sometimes you go into some academies that specialize in competition and grindhouse and kind of really getting after it. Now, I do believe that there are academies that do a really good job at being able to balance both. It can help students if they understand what's expected of them in jujitsu and kind of lay out the timeline or the journey or these things that are going to happen to them and the problems in jujitsu. And I think if they can understand these things, they can uh, help marry the two types of jiu-jitsu academies or maybe what's expected of them or maybe some talks that you can have with your jiu-jitsu instructor to kind of help you set yourself up for long-term success. So let's talk about the five main points that I really want to talk about today. The first big thing that I see jiu-jitsu students not have any idea about in jiu-jitsu is really understanding the expectations. They have really no idea what expectations are expected of them per belt and per what their instructor wants them to learn or their mindset that they should have or the philosophy. The next big one that jiu-jitsu students I think have a hard time with is managing their own expectations. No one ever sits down and teaches them what is a healthy expectation at what belt level or at what stage of their development. Another big one is students not understanding the difference between drilling and sparring and how each one is a tool. And no one ever sits down and tells you guys which tool is used for what purpose and when you're supposed to use it. Another big one that I see jiu-jitsu students have no idea about is really not understanding how to use your training partners effectively. This kind of goes into the drilling and sparring category, but your training partners are one of the massive tools that you can use in your jiu-jitsu training, but no one ever sits down and shows you really how to use them. And then the last big part is no students ever really understand how to develop a direction. They never understand how to build their almost own jujitsu compass that can kind of point them in the right direction. 
So these are the five main things that I normally see jujitsu students kind of have the hardest time with when it comes up to talking about why they either quit jujitsu, why they feel like that they're lacking progress or they're lacking motivation. You can kind of usually narrow it down to one of these five things. So let's start with the first one, not understanding what expectations are expected of them as a jujitsu student. So the reason why this is such a big problem, in my opinion, as a jiu-jitsu instructor, what I see from the outside and talking to students all the time is each jiu-jitsu school is vastly different on what they expect. They have a vastly different expectation based upon belts, stripes, what they deem as good jiu-jitsu. And so it is very different. Students pick the schools that are the closest to them based upon location, the class times, if it's a clean environment, friendly, kind of all those main things from the outside. But no one ever tells you kind of what to ask in a deeper question about understanding the expectation or understanding what it takes to get to the next belt or really what are your goals. I truly think that everyone who walks into a jiu-jitsu school really has the goal of progressing as far as they can. I don't think anyone ever usually walks in and just says, well, I think I'm just going to do jiu-jitsu for six months and then move on. I Maybe that's happened out there. I've never seen it. But most of the time, students are wanting to participate in the martial art and they're wanting to usually progress in a way of like achieving a belt, achieving a rank, achieving some kind of status in the art because that's usually how martial arts are set up. No one teaches you guys like, what are the expectations at each belt? They just say, well, I guess I just keep coming to class. And then one day your instructor shows up and just gives you a stripe. And you're like, how many stripes even go on my belt? I have no idea. Or students are like, here's a belt. And they're like, I don't even know what I did to earn this belt. Maybe I did well in a tournament. Maybe I didn't. Did I, is it because I showed up this many classes? Is it because I kicked this guy's ass over here? I, I don't know. No one ever sits down and explains the expectation. Some of the biggest piece of advice I can give you guys is if you're a newer jiu-jitsu student or maybe you're a frustrated student with their school and you're not understanding those things, try to sit down with the instructor or a head instructor and try to just ask those things. Hey, what do you expect of me to be get to my blue belt? What do you expect of me to get to my purple belt? Is there any kind of goals or guidelines or anything I need to accomplish? Even if they say, well, I would like to see you compete, that's 100% fine and that's how they can do it. But now at least you have the informed information to be able to make a decision if you want to continue down that journey. A big problem that I see students have is they don't know their expectations of what's expected of them throughout your jiu-jitsu journey. And that leads them often to lacking motivation, potentially lacking some progress because they're not sure what to focus on and therefore leads them to quitting altogether. The next big thing is because it builds off of the previous one is students setting their own expectations too high. So this is the problem with if you don't know what is expected of you, then that means that you start setting your own expectations. And I think you can set your own expectations. I'm not saying you shouldn't set your own expectations. And I'm not even saying you have to set low expectations. I think you can balance it between high expectations and also reasonable expectations. So let me give you guys an example of where I see too high of expectations come in. Often whenever I'm teaching students for the first time and I'm teaching a basics and fundamentals class with all brand new white belts, right? People who have not been training that long. I will teach the mount, for example, and I will say, hey, this mount position is the best place to be, especially if you're in a fight. You know, if I'm sitting on top of them, I can punch them. They can't punch me. So if you're ever in a fight and you want to be controlling and dominating, you want to be into the mount. The next best place is the back mount. And so you start building this picture for students of these good and great positions 
that they should be trying to work with. And then what happens whenever they start sparring is then they never get to those positions. You've taught this white belt student or a newer student that they should be trying to get to side control, top of mount, back mount, and they should be trying these moves like a rear naked choke and an arm lock and trying to really impose their will and dominate. But when they start rolling and sparring, they never get to do it. This is a problem with jujitsu that we've kind of have set the expectation for jujitsu students almost for them. And so now the student is taking in this information being like, well, my coach said that I should be trying to get to the mount. I should be trying to get to the back mount. And yes, you should. I'm not saying you shouldn't have that as an as an end goal, but managing your expectations on who you can do it on is extremely important. They will train and then when they roll with me, who is a first degree black belt, and they're like, well, coach, I tried to like mount you and I tried to get on top and just nothing that I did worked and in this. And it's almost like they're flabbergasted that the technique didn't work and they only had drilled it one time. And they don't take into consideration that myself has been doing it for so much longer. So there could be potentially defenses and da 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 and all those things. And I just give you guys this simple example. There's a bunch of other ones of students setting way too high of expectations when it comes to tournament or how fast they get promoted and, and all these other things. I'm not there. There's a bunch of other ones, but this is a very simple one that most of us can relate to. And it personally happened to me when I walked in the jiu-jitsu school day one, I didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. I learned one technique and then I went out there and rolled and then I didn't understand why I couldn't get to that one technique. And I was like extremely frustrated, like in a good way. I was excited that people could do this stuff to me, but I was like, man, I have no idea why this isn't working. Like, why isn't it working? I know the same move as this person. How come I can't do it as good as that person? We all learned it at the same time. These ideas of expectations aren't ever explained to anybody. The idea of trying to manage students' expectations is extremely important because we don't do it for them as the jujitsu experts or the academy or the whatever about what they need to expect. They start picking their own expectations. And when that happens is it's they set it too high. You know, it's like a, a child who walks in on day one and is like, oh, yeah, I can climb the biggest monkey bars. I can climb the biggest thing. And then whenever they start trying to do it, they're like, oh, man, one of the biggest issues is students not understanding the difference between when to use drilling and when to use sparring. Once again, this is, I think, a fault mainly on the jiu-jitsu school for not usually explaining it. And guys, by no means is my school perfect either. I've made all these same mistakes that I'm talking about right now, but I'm on a mission to try to correct them and try to educate people with this kind of information right now. So by no means am I saying I'm perfect. When I say these things, I'm just saying I've made these mistakes too. Then students have no idea when they should be drilling versus when they should be sparring. And they have no idea what they're even used for. So the easiest way I can explain this is sparring and drilling is the how to making the what better. If I know that I have an arm lock that I need to get better, I have basically two, two tools in my tool bag that can make it better. What happens though is when students try to make their arm lock better, they don't know how much they should drill versus how much to spar. And often they think that one is greater than the other. But the problem is, is it really depends on the student's phase of development of the technique. This is where the general advice comes in that if you're newer to the technique, drilling it more is so much more important than sparring it because you need to remember step one, step two, step three. And that is the biggest benefit to drilling is that you can transfer that information from short-term memory to long-term memory. 
And then whenever you are rolling, you can then refine it against resistance. And that means you can remember the steps. That's that's literally the first thing you have to do is whenever you're training and rolling, if you're getting this deer in the headlights blinking out, if you can't even remember the steps or recall what you're supposed to be doing in that moment, which techniques do I know from this position? Hey guys, real quick before we get into the episode, if you're a struggling jujitsu student that is really looking for some more help and guidance and trying to figure out what you should be training and the next steps in your jujitsu journey. I have an online program called the Jujitsu Blueprint for Lifelong Development because ultimately jujitsu is a lifelong process you have interest in or want more information on. Make sure you hit me up at jasonhill.com and I do an interview to make sure that you're a good fit, make sure the program would actually benefit you so that way your time's not wasted and neither is mine. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast and we'll get on to the episode. Then it's about sparring is like lifting weights. You want to be able to start to do it against resistance. I remember, I think one time I saw a video, it was on YouTube. I think I was a white belt potentially, or maybe I was a blue belt and it was Cyborg Abreu, um, you know, a lot a very well-known jiu-jitsu competitor. I remember I watched an interview with him and he said that he doesn't drill any moves. He's like, I don't drill anything. I only try stuff in sparring. And if it doesn't work while sparring or rolling, then, you know, I just throw it away and I don't, I don't do it. And I thought that was really odd. And I was like, man, am I actually wasting time drilling? Should I just be trying everything in sparring? The, the problem was, is that he left out a very crucial part. He was like a third degree black belt and a multiple time world champion. Because he had been training jujitsu for a long time, he is able to build upon all of the experiences he has already created in his memories, in his neural pathways, in his muscle memory, whatever you want to call it. He has already developed a very, very in-depth insight of all of that ability. You, as a brand new white belt or a blue belt, have not done that yet. I'm sorry. The world's not fair. He has put in more time. You have not. He can just take a move for the first time he rolls and try it in rolling and make it work magically because he has all the previous experience to draw from. You do not. You haven't gone through that path yet. You haven't drilled enough. You haven't learned other techniques that are similar to it enough yet. So that's very different for him to say versus a blue or white belt or shoot, even a purple belt to say. We have to understand that there is a difference between drilling and sparring and when we would use one versus using another. If you guys are enjoying this content, make sure you guys leave me a comment down below. What are the biggest mistakes you've made in jujitsu in the first two years of your training? If you're an upper belt, let me know something that really frustrated you. If you're under two years right now, let me know that down below and let me know what you're struggling with currently. I'd love to hear from you guys. Also, if you're really having a hard time and struggling in jujitsu, make sure you download my free acceleration guide that you guys can find in the bottom. It really does kind of explain a little bit of ideas that you guys can start doing almost like a checklist to help you start getting better a little bit faster. The next part is students not understanding the training partners. And this goes with the category of the tools of the drilling and sparring. Usually whenever you're drilling and you're sparring, um, you're going to be doing that with training partners, most likely. And the reason why training partners, I think, are so important to talk about when it comes to using them in jiu-jitsu is because they're going to be your number one tool to developing your jiu-jitsu. Understanding how to use them is extremely important and something that I don't think anyone really talks to a lot of students about. And if they do, it's very casual and passing. The reason why I know that this is important is because every academy is made up of three things. They're made up of mats an instructor, and training partners. 
that's basically the only things that every academy is made up of. Now, you could say there's a variation. People have nicer mats. People maybe have better instructors. They have world-class instructors. But every school has training partners. And your training partners, the best way I can describe it is like the weights at the gym. If you're doing a bench press, for an example, and it's your first time doing a bench press, you're not going to train usually with your max weight day one. If you already know your PR, you're going to start on a lower end, learn the skill, deal it with lightweight, develop the technique, and then start to increase the weight gradually. Understanding which training partners are the lightweight, which training partners are the medium weight, and which training partners are like the PR weight is very, very valuable. It does two things. One, it teaches you a way to develop your jujitsu. Now you guys kind of see that there's a pattern or a way to start to make your jujitsu better, who to test it on, who to develop it on, which ones to try which techniques on. But also it gives you a metric. If you guys don't understand, if you're lacking motivation and progress and you guys just don't see yourself progressing, also I see in jujitsu students not understanding how they're actually progressing without getting a stripe or or a belt promotion is they have no metric. So doing it against a certain training partner, if you're able to do it against this really good purple belt and uh, you know, you're a blue belt, that's a pretty good metric that that move is pretty good. And this is where people use tournaments a lot for people use tournaments as a way to kind of test their abilities and to maximize it. But my big problem with doing that only in tournaments, if that's the only way that you do it is that if you're not competing a lot, it, I don't think it really gives true data. Because if if you're only a hobbyist and you're only doing two tournaments a year, you know, you could get stage fright, you could get anxiety performance. There, there, there's a lot of things that could not really be a truthful idea of actually how you're training. But when I watch you in the gym on a daily basis, and I can slowly start to see you progress, and I saw that Hey, with Frank over here, you were having a hard time with him six months ago, and now you're holding him off a lot better. That's direct uh, metric to you actually improving. Now, if you're a world champion black belt competitor, then yeah, obviously your goal is to compete with the best guys in the world, and, and that's your metric. But for most of us, that's not a very fair metric unless we're competing a lot. So understanding how students can use their training partners has massive value. It keeps the motivation going and it, it's an easy way to measure progress. So I say all this now to summarize it and say the next big thing that students have a problem with is lacking direction. All of these are built off of one another. The first one of having no one ever tells you the expectations. Then we have that we set too high of expectations. Then we said students don't know the difference between drilling and sparring. And they don't now they don't understand how to use their different training partners. And that leads to now I have no direction. So because no one has set expectations for me, I've set my own expectations too high and they have failed over and over. So now I got I get demoralized. I don't know if I should be drilling or sparring. And my training partners crush me all the time. I don't even know who to train with. Why would I have any direction? You guys can see that this is a common pattern that starts to happen and it slowly builds. It's like a slow build. This is why I say the first two years is crucial because if you don't get these kind of questions answered or if you don't kind of strategize it, then your long-term success in jiu-jitsu is very, very minimal. You need to have some kind of direction or some kind of goal is extremely valuable. I can't tell you guys that. Um, it's going to be able to hold you accountable. It's going to help you uh, understand how to use your training partners. It's going to increase your motivation because you have a goal and you have a direction to follow. Now, the grand question is, is, well, how do I pick a direction? How do I know if I'm picking the right direction? And honestly, you don't. It's kind of a crapshoot with the way that jiu-jitsu is taught and the way that it's 
um, emphasize, you know, we, we encourage, we encourage the curiosity and to be curious and to try different things out. And I think all that is great. But if you're wanting me to give you concrete advice, make sure you guys check out some of my other videos. I think I did one last week where it talked about a process. I took a blue belt through and did a case study and what we did to figure out what he needed. And that really worked for him. But for some students, they can just go to their instructor and their instructor has such a tight knit community with them that they can say, Hey, you should be working on X, Y, and Z. And you're like, okay, cool. Now I have a direction, but I can't encourage you guys enough to try to develop some type of direction, right? We don't want to just be showing up to the gym, having no focus, having no idea, trying the move of the day. Trying the move of the day or just picking something at random is what I like to say is where you put a blindfold on and then you're just throwing darts at a dartboard. Like you have no idea if you're even getting close to the target or if you're even hitting the target or even if you're on the board, you're just guessing. Sometimes you strike gold and you hit right down the center, but a lot of times you're just aimlessly guessing and it takes a long time for you to figure it out. Having some kind of direction, getting sound about that direction and developing some kind of plan is very, very beneficial. Thank you guys for making it to the end of this video. I really appreciate you guys checking this out. Hopefully this video kind of helps and it kind of lays out some problems that you guys can already start thinking about, maybe start making improvements on. If you guys are needing more direct help, I do offer online coaching. I do, I'm now accepting new applicants. I had it closed for a while. So make sure you guys fill out your application down below. It's an interview process. So that way I make sure that you're a good fit in the program and, uh, you know, you're going to be successful. So if you're interested in getting my help and getting you kind of direct focus, make sure you guys check that out. If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. If you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on audible, Spotify, Apple podcast, make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later.